Welcome to The Faith Space, our podcast. My name is Kate Newell. That was so smooth, Kate. You have such a smooth podcasting voice. Um, and my name is Reverend Dylan Doyle-Burke. Is that good? Is that, is that nice and sensual for our listeners? Um, do you have to talk like this when you're it's, podcasting? But it is my... <laughs> <laughs> radio voice. Yeah, it's a nice radio voice. <laughs> Thank you. And it actually, that conversation goes directly into what we're talking about today, which is embodied spirituality. So we sat down to talk about embodied spirituality a moment ago because I wasn't sure what we were going to be talking about. Um, and I, what was my question, Kate? I said, let's do embodied spirituality. And Dylan says, I don't want to talk about sex today. And therein lies the conundrum. So that's exactly why this is our topic. That's right. (laughs) And we're going to not only define embodied spirituality, uh, we're going to talk about all the ways that we can engage with our body in our relationship with our creator. That's just what embodied means. We have a body. doesn't matter what it does. doesn't matter what it doesn't do. doesn't matter how it looks or how it feels. Everyone is at a different point when their relationship with their body. But the biggest thing that I've noticed, especially in the U.S., is a lack of connection to our body in spiritual spaces. And what I find interesting, I'm going to tell a tidbit, and you can finish this, Dylan, Mm -hmm. said, I did not know when Dylan and I were going to seminary, never knew this, for years it's been a while, until he came to Denver and I found out he was a yoga instructor the whole time. The whole time. So I find that very fascinating, number one. And number two, I wanted to know why, like, where was that in your spiritual practice? How did that show up for you? And also, why was it a secret? Why was I the last one to know that you were a yoga no, instructor? You weren't, you weren't the last one to know. Almost <laughs> no one knows. I never tell anyone that why? I'm a certified yoga instructor that I spent... 200 and either 200 and 250 hours back when I was 19 years old, a sophomore in college, to go become a yoga instructor over the course of my summer and sink my entire like $3,000 savings at the time into that while living in Brooklyn off the DeKalb stop on the L. I don't tell anyone that story. I don't know what's more shocking that you were a yoga instructor or that you took the L. That's right. That's really That's I mean I love I love the it was before oh, they, they shut like it down. That. For you New Yorkers out there, you you know what's happening with the L right now. Yikes. That's a different podcast. It's a different podcast. That's right. That's about gentrification. And transportation as a human right. That's right. But that's a different podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have a lot of questions about embodied spirituality. Yeah. Can we just clarify that sex might be a part of your process? Any kind of sexual engagement with your own body or with your own partner might be, but that is actually not what we're going to talk about today. We will totally reserve that for a different podcast. Best believe it. <laughs> Get excited already for that. But today we're really talking. But not too excited. <laughs> oh my God, Dylan. So what we're talking about today is ways to do that embodied spirituality piece on your own, with a community, all the ways that that can look. 
um, we've had lots of listeners, I'm sure, out there that you have your own practice. So if this calls to you, engage with us online. You can contact us through our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or our website at thefaithspace.org. We'd love to hear your ideas of embodied spirituality, how you engage with your body and with your creator. So we'll just start with that. And with that out of the way, though, let's like let's get into it. Let's get down to it. So um, I'm a yoga instructor. I'm a minister. Um, I was a marathon runner for a long time, and I really like to go to the gym. And it's all of those things are kind of core self-care practices for me. Uh, and throughout the year, some of them have come into my life. Some of them have come out of my life. And now I'm rediscovering this yoga thing. And yet I still don't really tell anyone about what I do, and I really don't claim it as a spiritual component in my life. Like, I really keep it separate. I keep the, the exercise over there, the exercise world um, over there, and then the spiritual world over there. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that being a minister is my job and working out is my fun. Um, and I think that there's a lot of... Uh, Can you tell me you don't have fun being a minister? Depends. Depends on the day. Depends Ooh, on the day. There's okay. been, uh, yeah. It's. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw my, my ministry under a bus and over a podcast. But um, no. It's. I mean, ministry is is tough work, as you know. You know, it's a lot of, a lot of death, a lot of um, working with people when they're at their most vulnerable. And so sometimes that's really rewarding, but it's not always fun in the same way that that yoga is fun. Although at the same time, you know, yoga when you really take it. Um, especially down to its roots and its history, it wasn't really about fun, and it wasn't glamorized in the same way and as it is right now. Not working out, and certainly it not working. It certainly wasn't about a bunch of skinny white women charging a lot of money. Right. So, but that's where I go to originally when I when you mention embodied spirituality. I do my mind does go to like sex a little bit, but it goes mostly to like exercise and how I show up in the world and my self care and how I like train my body to serve what I need to do better out into the world. What comes to mind for you when you when the term like embodied spirituality comes up? Two things. I think that you're talking about it in generally, like in general, but also you're talking about it as a minister. And as a minister, I agree that I have had just issues sometimes engaging my body, um, partly because of my own just personal history and background um, with my connection to my embodied form, but also because it's very vulnerable Mm -hmm. because when I work out, I am sweaty Mm -hmm. and I feel not cute and not like a leader and often like just a mess or, you know, that's when the emotion shows up or that's when my growing edge shows up or my weakness, right? That's those moments when I push my body is sometimes when I feel the strongest, but also the weakest. And, um, that's been the hardest part as a minister for Mm -hmm. me. So the idea of leading something where I am like leading us something and I'm sweating or I'm totally embodied or I can't do the thing that I've asked other people to do physically, it feels radically vulnerable to me. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I agree with you as a chaplain, my relationship to bodies in general shifted in the hospital when I was seeing all these bodies, um, sick bodies, broken bodies, dead bodies, um, brand new bodies on the planet when we would see babies. It was really, or pregnant women birthing new bodies. It was just, all of it was a miracle in every which way. Um, And that helped me with my personal relationship with my body. Um, But you're asking me how I 
define, like in my own spiritual practice, my embodied spirituality? Well, it's open. It's open. I just, I'm, I'm struck Well, I'm not by, a yoga instructor. Well, you could be. I could be. I've thought about it so many times. Right, but you decided not, you decided not to do it. Okay, so for, that's for a couple reasons. Yeah. I still, I still might. Number one, who has... Other than you, when you're 19, three grand just sitting around that I want to spend. Also, three grand to spend on all that time. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, just trying to do this awesome faith-based ministry. We're working really hard. Plus, other ways that I I work to um, provide income mm-hmm. and and sustain myself. Um, adding another thing that would take up a lot of time. Uh, granted, it's an investment. Granted, I, of course, want to do it. Um, That's part of it, right? The other piece for me is the social justice aspect Mm -hmm. and how co-opted it has become. And... It's, it just makes me feel gross in many yoga studios now. Is it just yoga for you or is it like all like exercise culture? I it Originally it was just yoga. Now, I think in the last five years, I'm overwhelmed with gym culture and the, the prices of gyms, mm-hmm. classes, and different friends of mine are trainers and this thing and that thing. And they all have a different, this person created this new way of exercising that's so different, so brand new, whatever. Okay. You have a body, you move it. Great. There are some scientific evidence, things that can like help us out or not, whatever. Just move it, whatever feels, you know, and calls to you. And that's the spiritual component for me of, of spiritual embodiment. Mm -hmm. For me, I've noticed, especially with millennials, right? That's a lot of millennials identify as spiritual, not religious. And where are they going almost every day or every other day after work? Mm -hmm. They're going to the gym. So the gym, I think actually in our generation is the church. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that I found that some people that I follow out in the world are phenomenal about the embodied spirituality piece and connecting the not only the justice piece but the the rooted um, religious you know sacred piece of it. Most are not. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are getting a vapid I think experience at a gym. They're moving their body and they're not exercising their emotional, spiritual, intellectual muscles. Mm-hmm. They are just doing it physically. Mm-hmm. And I think. As the same way in the church, when we just do like a ritual that's not embodied, we're missing out on that too. Right. And to your point, I mean, I think that's where, at least what I experienced growing up as as the culture, it's like I go to what, middle school gym class, I run, you know, four times around the track. Um, there's not something necessarily spiritual about that or really fully embodied. Even if I'm using my body, I'm not really in touch with what my body's doing. I just feel fat and stupid, right, at the end of the day when back in middle school. Like most of us did, right? Middle school, not middle school okay, experience. definitely. Yeah, right? Yeah, it was <laughs> hell on earth. That's yeah. right. And it's, I feel like those those images or even, you know, watching beer commercials growing up or, or things like that where we get a certain idea of, like, what our body's supposed to look like or how we're supposed to move our body. Like, there's mm-hmm. a one way um, to make sure that we move our body so that we can achieve X, Y, and Z, which is, like, one way of thinking about embodiment. And it's, I think, what we're given most of the time. But when we're talking about spiritual embodiment, it sounds like we're talking about something that can be varied, but also is a lot more holistic. Is that right? Absolutely. Care of the whole person. Um, yeah, that's, it's a Jesuit term that I've, I was, I learned in, in undergrad. It's cura personnel. It's care of the whole person. And that is something that I think 
that I, as a chaplain, was I really struggled with the hospital, that they did not see all the ways that we are holistic beings, that you can't just address one thing. That's the same issue I have in a gym versus, I think, why I'm drawn to yoga. Yoga and dance for me. Mm-hmm. Dance is amazing. And I've taken a lot of Nia classes, um, which is like a spiritual dance, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my two favorite ways to work out. Also, in groups, I'm a big person on accountability buddies. If mm-hmm. I, like, that's the other piece of the reason why I like yoga classes. I really struggle doing yoga on my own in my own house. Really? I have great yoga mats. I have all the stuff. I should want to do it, but oh Lord, no way. That's not happening. (laughs) But if I'm in a class, I want to, I really want to engage. And what I love about yoga, which I didn't know in the beginning. And so if you're a brand new yoga person, please know many things, but mostly, um, it's okay. However you use your body. And in the beginning, I didn't know that, but yoga gives you space for if you can't or don't want to do a certain, uh, asana, is that Mm -hmm. what it's called? Yeah. Like a move, like a position, um, that you don't have to, you can do like child's pose or something. And like you do what you want and what you're able to in that moment. And you make it as challenging for yourself Um, or as easy for yourself as you need that day. And so that yoga helped me look within and figure out my own limits. But that's, but that's where I got caught. That's where I got caught at 19. Um, and even now to a certain degree, and I think a lot of people do where I treated yoga as a competitive sport where I got in there and I was like, I'm 19. I'm like finally like skinny and strong and I'm going to be the best in this yoga class, which of course was completely defeating the point and the history of it. But Absolutely. But also we're both white. So Dylan is white. So that's a very, I think like a 19 year old straight white man, like that feels normal though. That's okay to, that's part of your social location, I think. Sure, sure. In a lot but, of ways. but at the same time, it was, um, it, it's why I couldn't, it's why I didn't stick with it. It's why I didn't stick with the, the yoga practice and why I moved to marathon running, which then became a spiritual practice. Because it wasn't hardcore enough for that's, you? That's right. I was like, I know I need the 26.2 miles. And uh, if I don't have that, I'm not racing against other people. Because in a lot of, for a lot of people, so say in, in Denver, right, people pay, or back in New York, right, people pay thousands of dollars a year, individually, millions to support this racing industry, right? To go and yes. pay to go get their bib and then go show up at 5.30 in the morning to go run 26.2 miles I or don't understand. I have these friends. Tell me what it is. Right. Tell me. Well, is it the competition piece? It's a lot of money. You think yoga's a lot of money? Like, talk about just a flight to those locations. Then you have the hotel, then Mm -hmm. you have all your like fancy marathon. You don't need a regular bikini. You need something that is made of like something from NASA to rip off of you and run on a bike that only is like 2.6 pounds so that you can then run for like 15 miles up some cavern. You're talking about a triathlon? Is that what you're depicting? Okay. Yes, you're right. (laughs) You you lost me at the bike, so (laughs) I just wanted to make sure. No, I got you. Triathlon. Have I done a marathon? No. <laughs> Have I done a triathlon? No. Right. And we don't want this to be the Dylan talks about how he ran marathons hour. But um, there... and also, what is the connection to God, Dylan? Well, so, but that's, that's what I'm getting to is All that right. for me in my early 20s, and this was when I was going to seminary. This was right after I had, you know, a brain cancer scare. This is all this stuff. Running, it was my church. And the people that I ran with was were my community, even while I was like serving others or just beginning to go on this path to ministry. Wait, wait. You were running with a group of people and you were able to speak to them while 
while you were running? Absolutely. This is a miracle. It's a rule of thumb, which we don't have to get into, (laughs) but if you are running at a conversational pace, then you're basically running at your marathon pace or your half marathon pace. A runner out there is going to correct me on this, but that's okay. That's a real runner. Um, but yeah, so, but for me that that's where I found the community. And I think there's a lot to what you're saying, Kate, about how people, especially our age in their twenties and thirties are finding their Sunday worship or whatever their worship is in these yoga classes or anywhere else, the gym, um, it's where they're finding those groups of people to, you know, sweat together, to put in that hard work together and to connect one way or another. I think it's definitely connection. I think what has been coming up to, for me lately, though, is it's actually an escape. And a lot of people are using the gym and the yoga studio to do that. We live in a very unhealthy society in in a lot of ways. And we're just emotionally bankrupt people. We have issues with dealing with our own personal internal conflicts as well as relationship issues. Everyone now is meeting their soulmate through an app. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that's not really in alignment with our natural holistic tendencies as embodied human beings. I think people probably work a lot of jobs during the day they don't really like. They make a lot of sacrifices ethically nowadays. I know that I do, and I actually have my dream job. So I can't imagine what someone does who doesn't do that. Um, so all of that to say, at the end of the day, those people are going to the gym just to release the crap that they are carrying around. They're using that as a, as a tool. Well, and I can't say they, I have totally done that. I continue to do that. But then I think that's the question that we're getting to, right? Is that, is, is that wrong? Is that different than what we've done at church for the last like 2000 years? Like, is it different than going to say a Catholic mass and getting absolution or getting whatever? If you're putting, if you have all this stuff, the stress of just life of being alive and having to die, if you're taking that out and you're saying, this is a space where I can release that. How do we make that, if you're saying it's not an embodied space, how do we make that a fully embodied space? I dream of this. And if someone out there is listening to this and you want to co-create a gym with me, uh, let me know because I'm actually into that. Uh, True entrepreneurship here. (laughs) Here is the deal. The main component is intention and time like surrounding the actual work. So in absolution, you're talking about the Catholic church, there's not the embodiment piece, but there is huge intention and people know what they're doing in that moment. They're doing a certain ritual that means X, Y, Z, and they're going to get X, Y, Z from that. Well, in the gym, it's, it's still just the physical way. So I actually had this experience. I did a six week challenge. It was amazing with a lot of really cool women of all different sizes and backgrounds and ages. And I felt wonderful. And it was called, uh, it's a gym in town called Feed Your Soul Fitness. Check it out. It's really great. It is not perfect. And I actually talked to the, the owner at one point and said, you know, you're, you're really missing what's coming up. So you can work someone out for half hour, hour. But at the end, what we really should do is have 20 minutes of like, hey, how do we want to debrief this? Mm-hmm. Like actually do the intentional work and the emotional connection work. It's the problem now is that people are changing their bodies. And that's, we've seen this with people that get like gastric bypass or, or lap band surgery that when you lose weight, like if you change your physical body without changing everything else, you'll either gain the weight back or it's not really a holistic change in your, in your lifestyle. Sometimes it can actually disrupt something and we're masking the real problem. The real spiritual problem, the only problem that your connection with your creator can answer. Which is what? What's the real problem? I don't know. That's that's different for every single person. Mm -hmm. And that's different, like their relationships and their their certain calling and connection in their own life. Mm -hmm. 
but we're, we're missing the point. And that's where embodied spirituality gets to the core of it mm-hmm. is, is, is that piece. And that, so to just do a ritual or just do something like that's why even talk therapy is not perfect either. There's all these people are getting at only one component um, of a holistic life. So we need spiritual, emotional, physical, and intellectual change. And that happens collectively. And if that does not happen collectively and intentionally and awake, we have missed it. We have, that's not true transformation. So then can what you're suggesting, can that happen in the spaces that we already have, say the gym space or the yoga space, or dare I say it in the church space, right? Can it happen there? Or do we need to create all new spaces for that level of embodied spirituality? I know a lot of people who get that without the community aspect as well. And so that's another question that I have of, is it possible for people to come to that come to terms, I guess, or engage fully with that embodied spirituality without that community part. Say someone who loves to walk in the woods, like Ralph Waldo Emerson, you know, for a while, he was out there. Sure. Could that be an embodied spirituality? But without Bronson Alcott and his, uh, and his good friend Emerson, mm-hmm. um, he wouldn't have the transcendentalists. And they, they still went to Emerson's house and sat around that table and changed a lot of lives and continue to do so. Um, I think that there is an important piece of silence. We actually, I've read lots of things about that, that we, we need time to, talk, to walk in the woods and nature and, and all of that. That's a whole other sure. podcast episode, actually, about the justice issues around that. Um, but I, I think that we need community to live and, and to survive and to certainly to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think connection to nature is part of that. We need community that includes the natural world. And I think that we don't view trees as community. <laughs> We don't view the land as part of what is necessary for a holistic community and communion mm-hmm. with our creator. Um, you asked a question of, can we do this in these in the spaces that we have now? I will say this is a both and. This is a yes and mm-hmm. answer that I have. Um, it's happening now. So I can't say no. Plenty of churches, plenty of synagogues, um, Probably, I, I would say several mosques as well. I love the Muslim prayers because it is embodied. You get yourself up, you get yourself down. There's music involved. Um, well, I, I guess, no, they would never call it music. There's, <laughs> there's a chant. Um, I find it just amazing. I take every opportunity um, to do the, the Friday prayers with people. But um, it's really, the embodiment piece is crucial and it's happening. I don't think that all sections are happening. And I think that that's the issue with like an, with more old school traditional religion mm-hmm. is that there might be some component, but there still is not, um, maybe not the intellectual component. Maybe there's, they have the physical and classic religious component, but that's not the same thing as transformation. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what makes us different at the faith space. And that's what, I guess for me, embodied spirituality is about movement. It's about, um, and this is what I learned actually um, in seminary from Dr. Brigitte Call. It's about that the message of, of Jesus is so much in, in motion. Um, so for me, the magic of any religion is in the becoming, is in the evolution. Um, I think that there is great movement and expansion that can happen, um, certainly when we rest and, and have a Sabbath, but also the movement piece. And in our very 
hectic lives where we do nothing really but sit at a desk or then sit in a car or sit at a table. And it's constant. We're just sitting and not engaging. And I think that that would change the world really to have a deeper level conversation. That's why I've tried to go on um, lots of even dates with people outside, if you can just walk while you're talking or even on the phone. Like if you have to make a phone call, go outside and, and just move your body while you're doing that. You don't have to sweat every time, but just moving. And so I think that as we, we move towards closing this episode, that's our invitation for you all out there, which is just to, to get moving in whichever way feels right to you and to your body. Just start embodying your spirituality more and claiming who you are, where your meaning lies, and what your faith resides in. Uh, because to a certain degree, depending on your theological stance, we each are our body. And there's a question of how that will play out for each of us. And so we invite you to claim that and claim your truth about your embodied spirituality. Agreed. Thank you for your, your <laughs> bringing back the podcast voice. You have voice to finish on the podcast voice. At the end. Well, see, I would call this the yoga teacher voice uh, as well. It's a little bit of both. So take a deep breath in. Uh, and just know that you are blessed. Know that your body is blessed wherever it is. Um, there's so much more that we can talk about on this topic. I think that we should definitely do follow-up episodes um, about this and, and all the baggage that we also bring just personally as well. Sure. Um, there's, there's so much more to unpack here. Um, but we keep with us our trauma and our lineage and um, a lot of beauty and connection in our bodies. So just like Dylan said, connect to it. Um, and remember how blessed you are to have a body like this like remember your connection resides in that so thank you all for listening and we invite you to join us next time on the faith space podcast <laughs>